Here we go. It's the first quarter of the big game. You want to toss up a Hail Mary. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. If you're good at something, never do it for free. I'd like to be pimps from Oakland or cowboys from Arizona, but it's not Halloween. Look, my friend, this is just where you and I differ. Grow up, Peter Pan. No chocula. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the Welcome back to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tamar Andrew on the board. S&P Futures, everything is up here this morning after Met S&P Futures up 22, NASDAQ Futures up 107, Dow Futures 176, says Meta is going to save us. I, uh, it's all uh, artificial intelligence, Meta up 20-some bucks, we'll look at the exact number here in a second. Do we have uh, Mr. Lou? Good morning, how, how are, are you? you bud? I'm okay, I, uh, a little talked out, we had a 50-year anniversary of the CBOE last night, and um. I was talking for two and a half hours to people I haven't seen in 20 years. It was fun. Very good. Very good. How uh, how late did you stay up on a school night? Oh, no. It was, uh, they, everybody came pretty much from the floor. I mean, they probably left series. Well, this, this is so typical of uh, market makers. <clears throat> I mean, they're great people. You can trust them. But it's like herding cats, right? A couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago, I get this text. Hey, we're having an informal gathering of, like, you know, the real people from the trading floor. It's series on the, uh, what was yesterday, the 25th, so I'm going, all right. Uh, <clears throat> and um, so kind of spreads around, spreads around. Well, Greg, who comes in and helps us out on, on uh, Monday, he, you know, is associated with the series because his uncle used to own it or something, his uncle who died. So he helps out there a little bit in addition to trade and in addition to helping us. So <clears throat> I go, what's going on? He goes, I wish we knew. <laughs> they call and say, we're going to have a group over. Well, how many? We don't know. <laughs> you want any hors d'oeuvres? Nah. <laughs> So they didn't know whether to get a big room, not to get a big room, to open the downstairs, to try and go outside, but it was too cold last night. So they ended up with a huge mess of people closing, like, the whole place, basically, except for one little spot. Probably had 200 people. And, uh, you know, it's it's amazing. I'm sure you do it with people you were in the Air Force with and stuff. It's like 22 years didn't happen. You know, it's just like yesterday talking oh, yeah. to these people. It's just... Uh, um, and everybody... It's it's a bond, like uh, well, you it's probably very close to the bond you guys had at Air Force, where everybody was on the uh, what's the, what the principle where you had to tell on everybody else and everybody was honest and all that stuff. Because on the trading floor, I mean, even if you didn't like the person and you, and you thought they smelled, you still would you, you wouldn't hesitate to to guarantee their mortgage because you knew they were good for it. You know, it was that it was that kind of a interesting group of people. Everybody was very independent, and yet. They were the word was their bond, and you know that today that's people are like, what are you talking about? You didn't have like, you just traded with somebody, wrote it down, and the trades were good the next day. No, yeah, um, hey, you know that I, I, I'm. You, you've given me a intro now to or a nice segue to a, a, a piece that I saw written earlier this week about the uh, problems that the U.S. military is having recruiting and the. You know the the lack of the lack of commitment to the country that that you're seeing in a, a significant segment of the population of young, especially young men. Um, the author tried to tie it to the uh, the Air National Guard kid who was releasing the classified information. I'm not sure that that was correct or that held up logically, but 
it it highlighted something that I've I've long held and that or long thought and that is people who go through a difficult emotional uh, you know trying kind of experience together develop a bond that is um, much stronger and and survives much more of a you know of, of a tumult than than just people who are you know in something that that they understand intellectually is is important to do um, we one one of the things that I, I've always thought the service academies uh, and and you know this is true for all kinds of careers and professions nothing unique about the military except that the you know the service academies have the ability to really make things unpleasant um, and 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 really sort of drive you down into uh, you know depths of despair to, together uh, because of the because of the environment but I, I have long believed that you know West Point Annapolis Air Force uh, to a lesser extent the Merchant Marine and Coast Guard Academies um, that part of their mission is to is to develop career officers for the services uh, and uh, otherwise the investment in in these kids doesn't make any sense oh sure and and the way to do that is to is not necessarily to sit people down and educate them about okay these are the armed forces of the United States and this is and this is why it's important that we have we have competent you know armed forces etc cetera, etc cetera. the way to do that is to make these people suffer and suffer together so that you know all at the same time explaining to them you know this is the intellectual basis for this but but putting them in a very stressful and uh, emotionally draining and trying circumstance um, and and having done that together when you come out the bond between the individuals is is an emotional bond it's a it's a shared suffering kind of kind of bond that transcends all kinds of other of other things and it it's reflected in what you just described you put those people together they can be apart for decades and you put them back together again and there is an instant familiarity and friendship and association that that uh, you know establishes itself at the very beginning having having gone to a number of my class reunions and having organized the last one which by the way it, you know you, people tell you that when you organize a, a reunion of like that that you know it's a thankless job it it is it is anything but thankless um it was incredibly rewarding um and and i mean i burned a lot of stomach acid and everything else but to see you know 500 of your of your friends come together uh in 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 this circumstance as as you noted the years fall away you know people people talk to each other as i said there's that instant yep. you know and long-standing bond and the author of this article that that i i read um talking about these recruiting efforts you know said that this idea that we can recruit people with just a hey we're really good for you kind of pitch which is you know the army's be all you can be pitch yeah or or that we're going to get people to to join and and stay 
and we're going to make ourselves attracted to people simply by by you know pointing out here's what you get out of this um is a is a mistake um we need you know he 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 talked about the idea of tougher standards tougher tougher training experiences so that you get the kind of emotional bond between people that uh that that will carry them through these these kinds of these kinds of challenges because at the end and and if you if you watch a show like band of brothers or the pacific i i was just watching some excerpts from uh from both uh last weekend if you watch a show like that you 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 understand very quickly that you know we're all fighting for freedom democracy in the american way but what you're really fighting for is the guy next to you. Oh, sure, sure. And you you formed the emotional bond with that guy, and he's formed one with you, and and that is a that's a very very powerful uh, kind of kind of thing. Anyway, well, you're, you could bring you could bring people out on the the trading floor when it was not very busy, and you could explain to people it looked like just a mass of humanity, but it, but it wasn't. Everybody had a specific job or function or. or specific way of trading. Some people traded the out ones, some people traded the out of the money. Some people wanted every trade that every broker came with. That was I was like that. I said right next to a broker, I wanted everything. And and my job was to pitch out the bad ones. You know, or people want to stand away from the broker. This is in the OEX pit where it's three hundred and fifty people. They essentially want to be a customer in their own pick. Pit trade what they could and, and if they saw the market going up they wanted to buy stuff. But everybody sort of had I won't say a function, but something that they fell into. Some people had the capability of trading four different options at the same time. Some people eight. Some people twelve. Some people could trade them all. I mean, everybody had different talent levels. But the interesting part is when all of a sudden it got busy, everybody, everybody relied on everybody else. I mean, the broker was only as good as the runner getting them the order because if he didn't get it, they were going to blame the broker. The person at the desk, runner was only as good as the person taking the order. And you run to the pit and then you give it to the broker and he'd have to make sure he had these things organized and he didn't miss one because if he didn't, if he was supposed to buy something in a quarter and he didn't, then all of a sudden later it's, you know, it's it's a half, the, the, tw- the 25 cents is on him. And you never you get the feeling that if, if I buy a hundred of something for you, and a hundred, you know, hundred's a lot, but if I bought a hundred from you with something at, at one and an eighth and sold it at, at one and a quarter, uh, I make... Twelve hundred bucks, essentially twelve fifty, right? So I make I make an eighth, which is twelve fifty, hundred times. Well, but if you if you look at it, you say I just I just spent whatever. If it, if it was five bucks, you know that's that's fifty thousand bucks. And then I just sold it for fifty one thousand two fifty. So if any one of those trades goes wrong, <laughs> I mean what you're making on them is is even if assuming you're making and not not scratching it or losing. Your the, the the notional value of what you just traded is. I mean, I would come back from the OEX and I'd, sometimes I'd add up my trades if it was a confusing day. And sometimes my 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 buys would be several million dollars, and the sells would be several million dollars, and I made two grand or something. I mean, and it, if you weren't, weren't in a place where you could trust the people, and now the regulators, the, the regulators who have, you know have no mind whatsoever, it seems in a lot of things. Now it's it's illegal to do a trade by open outcry. How could you guys do something like that? How how can we survey it? Who who are you? We didn't we didn't need you. We surveyed each other because if somebody screwed up, everybody everybody suffered. They, and, and, and this so so you've just touched you just touched again on a very important aspect of of something that is 
you know, I'm, I'm associated with uh, personally, but but that is a is a real issue within within you know the ranks of people who are retired officers and you know former armed forces folks, and that is this the the impact of diversity, equity, and inclusion on you know on on military readiness. So you're seeing these pushes in the service academies and and in the in the training that the army and the military is giving its people and it it relates to you know the the, the sort of corporate dei infection that that has taken you know taken over a number of companies so when you start emphasizing the idea that you should be looking at people based on their race and that's what that training does it talks about you know racial, you know racial differences and how how race should be factored into into your decision making in terms of things like promotions or whatever. It it is the absolute antithesis of developing effective teams. It it basically says that your job is to is to begin segregating and assessing people not based on their on their individual characteristics of merit and and you know uh, talent. But but on their race or their gender, these immutable characteristics. Although I guess gender is no longer immutable and immutable yeah, characteristic in the eyes of these people. Their their sex, let's say, um, and and assessing people like that, and and it's it's poison, and and yet it is it is in the uh, it's in the training materials, it's in the educational materials for all of our service academies now. Uh, this kind of analysis and, and this kind of sort of philosophical bent uh, is, is present in, in a substantial number of, of faculty, and and this is a this is a very disturbing thing for well, you know for those of us who are saying you you can't build effective teams, you can't build effective organizations if everybody is assessing everybody else based on these on these things other than talent. Well, you can't. There's a big difference, and I, I'm just listening. Obviously, Chicago is going through all these issues. There's a big difference between somebody saying, "Why aren't why aren't there any um, African American marijuana places?" Well, okay, uh, you and I have a mutual friend. When the second round came around, put together two or three um, African American groups uh, to get the second round of places. And when he explained to them, by the way, the downstroke is like sixty grand. Nobody wanted to be part of it. Yet a year later, now he just had the wrong guys. It's not like no black person is going to come up with the money. No, but a year later, they're all complaining that they don't have a place. Well, you, you, what's the old joke about the uh, guy walks out, I won't say you know, a church or whatever, and he says, God, you got to help me out just this one time. And God says, well, what do you need? He goes, I need to win the lottery. He goes, hey, you gotta, you got to meet me halfway. you got to buy a ticket. <laughs> you know, but I, I, I would say on the trading floor... Nobody cared what color you were or, or whatever. I mean, it might have been tough to get in the door, but that's why. You, but that's but that, why. and that's that's the, in my opinion, that is the evil of of this particular approach. The idea that color, you know, you and I were you and I were raised on the idea that look, if we're going to get rid of racism or sexism or ageism or you know able what's what's the new one ableism or or any of a number of these isms. The way to do it 
is not to practice racism, right. sexism, or whatever. It's not to assess that. It's to look at people on a merit basis. This is inimical to the current DEI programs, which say that that's exactly how you, you assess your talent. Um, Mars, the, the candy manufacturer, not the, not the planet or the god of war, Mars is um, about to get about to get blasted by uh, by a, a conservative group called America First Legal, which has done something that I've been I've been warning corporations about since I was I started to see the rise of this in my employment law circles. Uh, they've gone to them and said, "You know, your training materials that talk about saying uh, we're going to normalize or or uh, stratify our workforce." based on the local gender and racial makeup of our populations is is absolutely violative of every Title VII and, and local employment discrimination law in the country. Well, there was a... Um, when, they, when you... are, they are, speci- you know, to, to, to specifically take into account somebody's race, gender, age, whatever, as a motivating factor in the decision-making process, if you're an employer, violates the law. And we have just been, for, for some reason, the corporate leadership and, and our political leadership has just been ignoring this for, for well, the I, last see, five I don't, to ten years. You're, you're right. And I don't, what, when you were hired on the trading floor, Audrey's a perfect example. Audrey's our guest on Monday and, and my girlfriend. Uh, Audrey worked for Charles Schwab for a long time and she said, you know, I really want to find out what it's like on the trading floor. So she gets a job as a runner. Now, Audrey, um, if you saw her, I mean, uh, Audrey's a very attractive lady. She's very pleasant. She's very bright. You wouldn't not hire her, right? I mean, if you if you if you got a, a male with a pulse, you wouldn't say get out of here. But it didn't matter. Day one on the trading floor, they said you got to get out to this crowd and back. Well, she said her her feet were blistered. She never walked so much in her life. And every, and if she was late one time, and the guy did nothing but bitch at her. <laughs> you know, it, it didn't matter. But you knew within a week whether the person you just hired as a runner was a keeper or not. And within, and within six months, nobody cared if you were good-looking, bad-looking, black, white, whatever it was. You all of a sudden were a phone clerk. If you if you showed you were always there, always reliable, you didn't stop to talk to somebody and not care about the order along the way, you can tell how people are in a stress environment like that. In what, the first day, you can tell. right? And it doesn't matter what color anybody is, does it? I, I, I never thought it did. I mean, it, I, it, it does, because, because under DEI... You have an obligation to somehow, and, and this this is, I mean, I mean the, ob- the objective of DEI, and it, as I said, it's diversity, equity, and equity in the DEI lexicon means a leveling of all uh, occupations by race, gender, whatever sex whatever category you you care to look at your workforce should reflect and your management team should reflect the racial makeup of of the country the neighborhood whatever irrespective of the merits of the people that you're putting into those positions and and as you know the only way you you generate an equal outcome is by is by force you know, by by the force of the government, by the force of the employer, you come in and you you don't use a merit based system because merit based systems well, was, will give you unequal workforce. I wouldn't analyze even, it by race or gender. 
well, I wouldn't even say on the trading floor there was any sort of system because individual people hired people by essentially by recommendation because when somebody got there the first day they had a hustle and if you if, I'm gonna say if, if somebody put in an application I don't even know where you'd put it in because it was individual market makers but it was it was probably harder for people of color to get in the door the first day I mean because they probably didn't because there weren't as many there weren't very many any black matter of fact I think I backed the first black lady market maker Sharon King and uh there were, there were black ladies who were brokers. A lot, of, a lot of women were brokers. There weren't too many market makers. I, I backed the first black lady. But the thing of it is, if, if you had a a, a, a black lady or, or, or didn't matter, Asian, whatever, a runner for you, and you needed another runner, and that person said, I got a buddy or I got a friend who will be here and do a good job, you'd say bring him in. You, you, didn't, you didn't say, oh, no, I already got one black guy. I'm not going to have to. You would never say that. If you had one guy who, 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 who hustled for you, you just assumed his, his friend would be too. You know, so once you, once you got your foot in the door, there, you know, then, it, then it, it was pretty even. You know what I'm saying? It was just either did or he didn't. Well, it, 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 it gets even worse than that. If you, if you read the, you know, sort of the, the I won't say the, even the, I won't even say the further extreme edges of, of this kind of philosophy, it, it's actually part of the mainstream. You, will, if you read their assessments, you will find that the goal is to basically eliminate any kind of merit-based or desirable attribute as 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 a, a factor in making well, a, how, how do we a get hiring from, decision because those are identified as being quote, how, do, how do we white get from how do we or, get from uh, dominant system elements? How do we get from equality of opportunity, which there isn't anybody, I hope, that doesn't think is is what we should be striving for, to equality of outcome? What? Because people, people, because because a whether well, you could pick it whatever reason you want, but because our efforts at equality of opportunity have not produced equality of outcome. And so now the advocates of whatever are uh, of this of equality of outcome are coming forward and saying equal opportunity is a myth. There is no such thing as equal opportunity. This is this is the systemic racism argument. The the reason we have these these you know one groups that are categorically failing to to make it in American society or in Western culture is the result of systemic racism that racism permeates everything every which every is decision. which is which is total bs I, yeah, of course I, it is of course it is hey, but, I gotta, but, but sharon king by the way has a record that will never be broken well very few people can say that she has the she's the leading lady scorer at angel guardian high school and it's close so it'll never be broken remember the bulls used to practice there Angel Guardian was of uh, girls. Yes, school. I remember that name. Okay, yeah, that's, she's the great basketball player, great softball player. She was a leading scorer ever in Angel Guardian, and then placed close. So nobody can break her record. There I, you, go. there you go. I, I, I think that, I think that the, this system, as I said, and this is this is why I brought it up. This system is inimical to to effective teamwork and effective management in almost any organization. And perhaps most importantly, it's against the it's against the doggone law. But you're, and, you're and but this, you're you're also hurting you're hurting the people you allegedly are trying to help. Of, of course you are, because because yeah. my and, and we see this we see this in the you know any kind of affirmative action analysis, especially in education. 
if you take unqualified or people with less qualifications and you plug them into uh, an environment where these qualifications are important, they they flounder. And and I, I, there's a there's a whole body of of literature. Most out there. stuff most stuff is not what you do. Most stuff is not flying a plane or electronic warfare or high end law. Most stuff, if you get in the door, and 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 somebody suppose I hired somebody at uh, at PTI, they're not going to know what I know. But somebody is going to take it upon themselves in the first six months they're here to try and learn as much as they can. It doesn't matter what color or sex that person is. You either want to or you don't. And at the end of the year, you can't say, "Gee, chief, you you fired three women and you and you kept three, you know, transgender." I, I don't care what they are. <laughs> they're either they're either making progress or they aren't. I know, uh, you know. I, that just that just me. Hey, we're, after break, I, let's I, talk about that article I sent you yesterday about the. How, I mean, a little less and less people we have. You're in the. Uh, Munitions and other industries because it's happening everywhere. Production, yeah. Well, we right back. Stocks and jacks. SP futures up twenty three. Nasdaq futures up one twenty. Are you happy, Lou, that the big stocks are now all going to save us again? Meta and all these places. First we didn't like them, and then they went down, and now all of a sudden they're they're going to they're going to be five companies left. They're going to be the ones, and they're going to run everything. Just, uh, but you should use the word uh, artificial intelligence. It's the same as like two years ago. All you had to do is mention cloud, and your stock went up. And, and ten years ago it was B two B. You know, well, the new, the new, all you have to do if you walk out tomorrow and say artificial intelligence in your driveway, people will be winging money at you out, the, out of their cars. That's just the, the thing, though. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rope Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the phone. On the phone, no phone anymore. We're, we're doing all, all, what are we doing now? We're doing Zoom, right? He's on the board. SP Futures up 21, NASA Futures up 112, Dow Futures up 126. Big mover this morning, obviously, is Meta. Uh, the old Facebook is up 25 bucks. It's 12 percent. We've got Caterpillar. You know they came out with good earnings. They're down four bucks. That's two percent trading 212. So sometimes the earnings are good. Sometimes they're not good enough. Over in Europe, we've got uh, the DAX up seven. Call that flat. Europe has been really quiet. Puts you down six. Call that flat. CAC around up 20. We'll give them 0.2 percent. So a snoozer over in Europe. Over in Asia, we got the Nikkei up 41.1 percent. Again, not much going on there. Hang Seng only up 83 points. Usually they're up and down a bunch. That's 0.4 percent. Shanghai up 21.7. So Shanghai's got a little bit of movement. Yesterday is a way of review. Dow was down 228. S&P down 15. Nasdaq was up 55. Because yesterday it was Microsoft that was up 25 bucks. Um, so Google had a big day too, but it, uh, it, uh, you know, it, 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 it fizzled out. And the thing that is somewhat troubling here. I'm not a, a huge Dow theory guy. Lou, if you're a Dow theorist, you, uh, you you look at the transportation average as your as your thing, and the transportation transportation average has dropped several percent in the last few days. So ever since UPS came out with the people aren't <coughs> shipping near as much stuff as they were, everybody's been doing the same thing in the transportation average. So there are people that look at that and say that really uh, eventually runs the market. But now it is you know we're, we're so locked on these. Six big stacks. Nobody cares about that. Uh, bonds. The uh, ten-year rates up three basis points, three point four six. It's right about there for a while. Uh, bond up two basis points, two point four one. Japan, point four seven. Where they've been for a while. So there's not much going on there uh, on a weekly basis. Daily, sometimes up and down. Oil up fourteen cents, but still under seventy-five bucks, seventy-four forty-four. So the the great idea that oil's going to be one hundred and twenty anytime soon. Boy, if you're if you're along it, you're not you're not seeing that. Run up 18 cents, 77.87. Natural gas unchanged, 230. Our bob unchanged at 254. We've got gold up 11 bucks, back over 2000, 2007. Silver up 30 cents. Silver, another more than 1% move in silver. 25.27. Uh, I've got people long in there, so that's good uh, for them. Copper down 2 cents, uh, 383. We've got Bitcoin up 450, 28,950. It was over 30. And crumble back down and now it's going back up so it's all over the place 
The U.S. dollar, which has been weak, is pretty much flat today. Still, the euro is over 110, 1.104. The British pound is like 125, 1.248. So uh, the dollar still has been weak lately, and uh, it's staying there. And we got for us traffic weather sports after all that stuff. All right, it is a 6.39 here in Chicago on April 27th. Starting off with some sports, some baseball. Last night, the White Sox were wiped by the Blue Jays, ending their game 8-0. Yeah, not a good one. But the uh, Cubs, well, they didn't win, but at least they got some points. Cubs lost to the Padres, ending their game 5-3. And uh, over in Arizona, uh, the Diamondbacks won over the Royals, ending their game 2-0. Now over to Chicago weather. It's currently 36 degrees, a cool one today. Going to have clear skies, but that temperature might go up to, looks like about 64 degrees around 4 p.m. And over in Phoenix, they're at 66 degrees right now. Going to go up to about 95 around 5 p.m. So that's the difference from Chicago. Uh, but over to Chicago traffic, uh, thankfully no major accidents to report on the major expressways. Uh, it looks like a accident that was just very recently on the Stevenson has cleared. Uh, so expect some delays when coming in uh, on the Stevenson, a little bit on the Eisenhower, and especially on that ever-so-wonderful Kennedy construction. But other than that, it kind of seems to be about business as usual. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. So, Lou, explain to me again why uh, the Bulls uh, traded Jimmy Buckets is... is because he's led, <laughs> he, he led the Heat almost personally by the Bucks. Because the I, Bucks have some injuries, but still, I love I love that guy. Yeah, I love that guy. I I, you know, when he, I don't follow the Bulls as closely now because I, I've got a winning basketball team to follow the yeah. Nuggets. Yeah. Um, but but Butler has has always been one of my favorite players because he he seemed to be initially the classic overachiever, but. But now he's not—he's not an overachiever. Now you can see the fact that this kid has got it, and uh, he's not a kid anymore either. Um, but I—I I really like him as a as a player, and have have a tremendous amount of admiration for him as a player. And yeah, you know the Bulls just couldn't figure out how to. I mean, I, I thought he played very well for the Bulls, but they couldn't figure out how to develop him. Well, they, they couldn't put people around him. They—they they couldn't put anybody around him. You know, I, talk about misjudging somebody. I. When they uh, hired the, when Miami first hired uh, that coach, you know he was looked young well, because he was young. I thought he was just there to be, you know, to be a uh, whatever the, the towel boy for LeBron James. And boy, did I I think I really misjudged him. I think he's a real good coach, the guy in Miami. Yes, yeah. Th- there's, y- you know, I am not an NBA fan. I, I just can't get in just can't get into it and and they lost me with a lot of the they lost me forever with a lot of the crap they pulled in 20 2020 but uh, you know the you you cannot deny the pleasure of watching really good athletes who are really well coached oh yeah move you know move up and down the floor like that and denver denver's team is, is like that there are not um They've got they've got obviously the the MVP, uh, what's his face, who who sort of centers that offense. Oh, the but, big the big guy, yeah, the guy from was he yep. from Europe or whatever, yeah. Yep, I forget his but name. They, they've uh, um, I just dumped his name, the Joker. Anyway, yeah. he's uh, watching those guys move and watching the way they they play. 
you can tell you say you say to yourself these this is a this is a well-coached team it's like it's like watching uh the spurs when popovich was in his prime um you know play play team ba- or or the uh the um well, Bulls, State. Yeah. yeah you know We're watching Bulls. those guys move. well Bulls, even when jordan was there played huge team ball yes yeah that's exactly right and i don't um, see how you, i don't see how you get around it i mean you really you really don't i mean uh it's, it's all the people. The more the better people you have around you, the less you have to do. I mean, it's a long season. You got to do it all yourself. That that's right. And uh, we we lose. I mean, the NFL is the place I think that loses track of. Although the coaches don't, the fan base in the NFL keeps losing because of the media attention. Loses track of the of the team game element here with the idea that you can bring Russell Wilson in or or uh, Aaron Rodgers in, and suddenly everything is going to be better doesn't work that way and and it never has um i i watched you know i, I watched the vikings uh my dad there uh who who you know my father referred to them as a in many ways as a team at least the first the first super bowl team is a as a team of you know of overachievers and and they that's that's the way they that's the way they played because they they reinforced with each other what what needed to be done and you had you had 11 guys working you know, working for the same thing and 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 playing, you know, playing under the same system and buying into it, and and that, you know, that that goes that can go a long way in terms of your success as an athletic team. It can go a long way in terms of success in any organization, as long as again, as long as people look at each other as individuals and not as members of a particular group. To go back to our current theme, you you wanted to. You wanted to talk about uh, that story you yeah, sent me. About yeah, I also want to talk about our, that, but our, also our inability, our inability to produce ammunition. <clears throat> well, our inability to keep firms alive, but people just they 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 seem to continually. There's less and less firms in every business until you're down to like one or two, and something happens, you got nobody. It's just it's crazy. And yet I, every I, day, all you do is is see merger after merger. I I the the story we're talking about is is the fact that apparently we draw propellant for our tank shells and and bullets and uh and all kinds of other uh ammunition from basically one facility in i believe louisiana and it's it shut down because it, it blew up fire. it blew up explosion yeah it, it, it explosion you imagine that a a, a, a a propellant operation blow it up duh but but this is you know so so in the 1990s when i was still on active duty uh, you you saw our uh, articles about our defense industrial base because you know as the cold war began to begin to wind down we we stopped we stopped funding this stuff and 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 the i started to see people writing articles saying hey you know we got one we got one facility in the united states that manufactures tank chassis we have we have one facility those in are the, the guys united in ohio states. that's the guys in ohio right uh, yeah mm mm-hmm. We have one facility in the United States that manufactures, you know, these kinds of, of systems for, for naval vessels. We have one one facility in the United States that manufactures, and, and the, you know, the list went on. And, and this these authors were saying, we have a defense industrial base that takes a long time to ramp up. And, and we spent a lot of time getting it, you know, getting it into position until we're going to let it, we're going to let it rust away. And if we do... 
we're not going to have time. If we get into a shooting war, we're not going to have time to ramp it up. Well, how does and that how does that contrast? Actually, one of the things yesterday, I, I was waiting for Audrey to go to this party, so I kick up the uh, my YouTube here, and I'm, since I'm locked into all the stuff with, with armed forces and stuff, there was a lady giving a review of, the, evidently we're christening 10 ships this year. It was like four two years ago, six last year, but now there's 10 this year in the Navy, which is, you know, it's a, which is a lot. Um, well, it's, it's more. <laughs> what? It's more than we had otherwise. Well, but I mean, yeah. it's it's. But th- I was I was stunned because I just sent this article out to you guys, and there's one place making this propellant, and I think. Well, anyway, the the ten ships. May, maybe I, I was trying to listen carefully, but with my headphones on, I think maybe the two submarines were made at the same place, but <clears throat> all the other ships were made in different spots. I was I was surprised at how widespread it was. What are those literal, the, they call them a literal something-something Littoral. Littoral. Littoral vessels. Well, one of those yeah. was even made in Wisconsin. There were, there were like five different ships. They're all made in five different places. The, the, Navy, the Navy has worked hard to, to well, they're, first of all, they're, not, they're buying a, a wide variety of ships. These aren't right. all you know, destroyers. Well, it happened to be like five of those, or one or two destroyers, one aircraft carrier, and a couple submarines. Yeah. So, so the idea is that, that you have different... That they they can distribute the manufacturing of these of these vessels, uh, you know, around and the navy the navy is is a big believer now because of what's happening with China, a big believer in something called and we've talked about this distributed lethality, which is a great way of saying we're gonna we're gonna make every one of the boats that we buy from our minesweepers to our aircraft carriers to our cruisers, we're gonna make every one of those suckers a weapons platform. Every one of those things is going to be able to fire something. That's, oh yeah, that's what they were talking about in the in the in the, uh, the tape. Right. You know, it, it, we're not and not just you know not they're not just going to have fifty caliber machine guns mounted on the you know mounted on the poop. Well, deck. the destroyers got like Aegis systems. That's right. But 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 even our minesweepers, even our supply ships, are going to be capable of firing missiles that that can strike you know a hundred hundred fifty miles away. And and we're going to have weapon systems on those things that are going to have to are going to yeah, the the goal is to basically multiply the number of targets that a that a, a future aggressor has to deal with, and and give flexibility to to a commander who who comes in and says okay we have we have to strike these kinds of targets what do I have available to do this it used to be you would have to have the the guidance package and the weapon system all all on the same vessel, so that you know one ship fires one missile and guides that missile to its target. That's not that's not the way it works anymore. Now you, you we've got autonomous missiles that can be launched from cargo aircraft. You know the air force is the air force is dropping cruise missiles out of cargo aircraft now. Um, that that can be launched from it from anywhere, and the missile itself has its own guidance system. You give it the coordinates and say, okay, I want you to fly to here. And, and then look around, and the biggest thing you see that's still afloat, I want you to sink it. And and the missile will do that. Them, you know, and they're they're stealthy and they're hard to they're hard to track. They have a low infrared signature. Uh, they come in at you know they come in at ten to twenty feet off the off the waves. Um, and, and and so you distribute these missiles over, you know, over your fleet. That's one side of it. The other side of it. Is we have a family of missiles, uh, SM SM sixes, that 
a double or, or serve multi roles. They're surface to air missiles, they're surface to surface missiles, they're anti ship missiles, uh, and, and they're anti missile missiles. And these things can, in our distributed lethality universe, and, and I'm not sure exactly. So, how do you go from the Air, or the Navy doing one thing, and yet the Army, whoever's ordering up all this ordnance, in Pullman, they would call it a single point of failure. You can't have that. No, no, we're going to have to. And 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 this is, you know, I, I I again continue to marvel at the fact that that Ukraine is being treated as some kind of wake up call, where where we suddenly realize that the Ukrainians are firing off in a week. Or, or in three weeks, our entire uh, artillery shell production for a year. Well, and, we, the even if, and the Russians are firing off three times. As but much. even if you're, uh, no matter what you think of, you know, age and whatever, Mr. Biden, I have to, I have to hope that the guy is smart enough that when he sends fifty thousand artillery rounds off in some, you know, he comes on TV and tells you we're sending them to the Ukrainians, that he at least, and I, I actually do think. He probably still got enough left to say, "All right, we send him fifty. I hope we still got a lot left." I mean, I hope he at least asked the question. We, are, we have we are trying to expand that, but it's not a question of of just buying more. It's a question of producing. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, our production our production facilities are are not equal to the burn rate on on artillery shells, on surface to air missiles, on handheld anti tank missiles. I mean, we are, that's we are why, Lou, you, our you, stocks down. That's why, Lou, you hear me all the time basically ragging on, you can slow an industry down, you can do whatever you want. You can go from three shifts to two to one, you can work four days a week, but don't tear the plant down. Exactly. And we, we've and, and it's, it's also that. It's also, by the way, and probably the, the only intelligent thing I've said on this show, in 2014 when you asked me, you know, give me your thoughts on where people ought to be putting their money, and I said, they ought to be putting them in defense stocks because yep, we are yep. going to have to rebuild our defense capability. And and boy, that that has come true in, you know, in spades. Well, one um, of the groups that I, I worked with last year, as bad as the market was, <clears throat> I think we did, we, because I'm part of the group, um, I think we did pretty well in just our, our long stock positions because the minute Russia graded Ukraine, these guys overweighted totally the defense industries. And they were able to pretty much make up for all the rest of the stuff that went down. Um, well, that that is going that is going to continue, at least for the foreseeable future. When I say foreseeable, at least five to 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 eight years, because the window for China to to attack Taiwan, and again, I'm not convinced the Chinese want to attack Taiwan. I'm absolutely convinced that they want to bring Taiwan under their thumb. But but they would much rather do it without having to lay waste to the you know to the place and, and expose themselves as the you know the dangerous entity they are. Um, the the window for them to be able to do that is is about five to eight years, and and at the end of that time they're going to have to start having demographic issues. So are we, by the way. But but our capabilities and the capabilities of places like Japan and Australia. Are going to be ramped up to a to a, a place where the Chinese would have to would have to think twice about about. Yeah, they're they're seriously buying. Uh, is it the Australians are buying the submarines from the Japanese, or is it the other way around? 
Somebody's buying from somebody over there. Uh, the Australians, the Australians are buying submarines that the, that the Japanese are producing. The Australians are also buying subs, obviously, from us with our our nuke program. Again, that's another bolster to our to our defense stocks. The Japanese are ramping up their own internal defense industry, which is not, you know, is not bad. And uh, it it's it's astounding to me that China is is willing to re effectively rearm to such an extent that Japanese militarism is is now a thing. Yeah. And and, and, and is is they back. had that they had that squash. They could have just kept quiet and been okay. That that that's exactly right. And and you know when I when I was in served in the Pacific at uh, in Okinawa, you know, the constant conversation you got from you know the Koreans and the Filipinos and and the people in Singapore and the Malaysians was we do not want we're glad you guys are here we do not want a rearmed re-energized Japanese military look at how to place with the snakes the habu yeah hey you ever uh, see one poisonous poisonous pit fire oh yeah sure they have them I mean I I don't recall seeing one wriggling well maybe I did see one wriggling around but but you know they they have a well, where's the place with it is loaded it's Guam right where you got to check the planes they land in Hawaii. Yes, yeah. Guam is Guam is U.S. territory. O- Okinawa used to okay. be, but it's not it's not anymore. But yeah, they have a a poisonous pit viper that they put in their local. Uh, they put a snake. You know, they'll put a body of it in the local liquor uh, to to supposedly fortify the liquor with the snake venom. Uh, that would do it. Hey, we got a couple of minutes. I ran into some people. One of the guys last night. Uh, I mentioned his name before. Um, when I first came in the business, I used to leave my consulting job at Pullman and come down and listen to option tapes to learn how to trade options. And a brilliant guy, a guy named Mario O'Connell. He, he was a Notre Dame before me, before they had a good football team, which he'll tell you about instantly. Uh, his senior year, they finally hired Era. So he thought things were better, but he was gone. Uh, he was, uh, are, are we convinced that with this portal stuff... I don't know. You're not on the you're not on the Notre Dame group, which which is fine. There's too many emails back and forth. If you don't want to see them, but there's 4,500 people in the in the portal. I mean, yeah. Lou, Lou, the the girl at DePaul, who's a good basketball player, has 30 schools after her. She's like a sophomore or freshman. How the hell do you go to school? You can't tell me they don't have agent. Is this going to blow? I mean, is there anything? Are the deals just flying back and forth? Who, who's in the middle of all this? There's got to be quasi agents. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. They are. They are agents and and uh, or advisors. You know, hockey's had this for a long time, and now now the rest of the NC2A is catching up. These guys are advisors, or they they you know advise the families. Here's here's the best deal, whatever. Um, their whole their whole you know IMG and and these other places all are all involved in this. You know, right now CU Colorado is, is sort of ground zero on this because. Sanders had 40 of his players uh, go into the portal after after the CU spring game here on Saturday. And one and, of them was a big and, star, right? Of the game. Yeah, one of them. One of them was a kid that was so he. Well, he's going to be their number two wide receiver, and he he showcased himself on the. Can on the you? Game. Can you? Once you're in the portal, can you come back? Um, yes, you can. Um, but but it's. Uh, there's an uproar here in Colorado because a bunch of the parents of of these players, I say a bunch, a group of parents of these players, have come forward to the press to criticize the way Sanders is doing this, and and my 
you know, my reaction to that is is sort of, uh, you know, like diehard. You know, welcome to the party, pal. You know, your your kids your kids are no longer playing in an educational institution. Yeah, they're, they're, well, what, they're how many pros. kids? We had we had a dash here. This is a, we'll talk about this more next week. But how many kids of the four thousand you think are going to be dumb enough to just blow their scholarship? There's no guarantee that you get one at the other end of the portal. No, no. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll have to see. This is all working itself out in real time. But I mean, but, this kid but, from Colorado is probably good enough. But I mean, you might you might oh somebody will, somebody yeah, will you, take but, him. But, yeah, yeah. But you you might be on the at the end of the bench at Notre Dame. Your only tower scholarship might be from a sidewash state somewhere, if if at all. I I agree, and yet I just was that with the draft every year. There's a kid from a walk on from North Dakota State University who is an offensive lineman who is likely to go in the first round. So hope hope springs eternal for all of these guys. Well, that's because the one guy from North Dakota, somebody somebody was on uh, won the Super Bowl last year. Uh, I don't remember Kansas City. He was, yeah, he was, he was on one of those teams, and he was like, he started every game was an all pro, and he came out of like San Diego State or someplace, or North Dakota State or something. Yeah, no, no, University of Wisconsin Whitewater had had a kid that the Broncos drafted who's, who who you know could like pick up cows and stuff like that. That's why. All right, Lou, take care of yourself. Are you uh, the uh, well? Kevin uh, tweets in that uh, once in the portal, you can only get get pumped back out if the, if the school invites you because allegedly. The story is that Freeman, the Notre Dame coach, allowed this Buckner guy, who was the quarterback last year, to test out the portal, and if he doesn't get what he wants, he can come back. Allegedly. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, you you can you can come back. It it's with strings, but you yeah. can come back. Right, Lou, take care of yourself. SP futures up twenty three. Nasdaq's up one thirty one. Be right back, Mr. Dan Janitas. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? 
Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 26. NASDAQ Futures up 145. We're celebrating Meta's earnings. We're back to being, uh, whatever. Do we have Mr. Dan? Yes. Mr. Dan, how are you? Good. How are you? All right. Hey, real quick, two things. I well, one is just a comment we have from uh, the last conversation with Lou. Kevin writes in that 40% of the players have put their names in the portal do not get scholarships elsewhere. Can you? Is that is that going to be our new definition of stupidity in Webster's or what? <laughs> yeah, I heard that part of the. I heard the end of the call. Um, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. <laughs> but before, Crazy. but I have some uh, serious questions for you from my a couple of my clients and uh, some people, okay. some listeners. Um, the concern was, or the issue is, what what if? You know, we've gone through how many of these things in Congress about the debt ceilings in the last 20 years. I mean, it seems like just another one and we, I mean, I tend to ignore it because it goes right to the end and then, of course, they come up with something. Uh, but that's not always the case. Once in a while, we did have a partial shutdown for a while, a few years ago, didn't we? I seem to have lost in my memory someplace. Uh, I don't know. It never got to the point where people weren't getting Social Security checks, but some people didn't go to work. Of course, they all got paid. Even though they didn't go to work, they all got paid afterward, right? But the National parks yeah. and stuff like that, you know, which is such BS, but Anyway, the question is, if, you know, quote, they're serious about it this time, and, and they think they might be because uh, McCarthy, if he doesn't placate that part of his party, they can turn around, 10 people can get him out of there, right? So he's, he's in a much more tenuous position in terms of negotiation than anybody really has of either side in recent years or maybe ever. Uh, and I, I, I think that's true. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not Mr. Politics. But the question is, if this were to go to some court of fruition even for a couple of months where you know the these people are laid off these people are laid off and you start going down that road um is what happens to the dollar and 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 and, and by the way is gold a short-term haven where you want to make money for those few months and then just get out and i i said you know what i'm gonna ask dan because i'm not i never, sure. I never thought it through that way i mean I, I didn't really have an answer yeah, I think. I mean, I think on the on the second part of the question is gold a safe haven. I think always a safe haven, and I think silver even even more so. I think silver has uh, continues to have upside. It's had a nice run here, and yes, it's because of concerns about the dollar. And I do agree with you that if this issue does not get resolved, um, the debt ceiling issue, that it's not going to be good for the dollar. And, and if some of the other 
geopolitical issues don't get resolved. Um, but beyond that, I think there's going to be, um, I think some of the, you know, if you look at some of the European countries and you kind of go around the world, you know, with China coming back, as those economies start to catch up with ours, if you will, that will also have a um, negative impact on the dollar, right? It's just that the other the other currencies, I think, are going to be um, looking a little more favorable. Our debt ceiling issue, I'm, you know, very conservative when it comes to financial side. And and yes, it's a mess, and it's it's it it it, it it's going to come to fruition sometime this year, hopefully, and it is going to have a negative impact. And yes, um, you're not going to go wrong investing in gold and silver. Well, the uh, well, a quick silver question. Then I want to get into some of the um, the dollar issues because you really can't when you talk to anybody. Even well, I say last night, if you listen, my. 50-year anniversary of the CBOE was last night, so I ran into people I haven't talked to in forever, but God, it's just oh, like, it was like, it was like, you know, old home week, but it's, whenever you talk at all about the dollar, people immediately jump to, it's still the prettiest girl in the ugly class, you know, basically. Yeah, but absolutely. The, but, but somewhere yeah. along the line, I think that breaks down, because if, if you're, I, I think what, what, you know, I used to know this verbatim, but in order for something to be a good currency, but it has to be. It's got. It has to be legal tender for just about everything, which ours really isn't anymore because some people won't take it. Uh, the cash I'm talking about, but the dollar they'll still take. You got to use a credit card. But it also has to be a storehouse of value, and, it, and it's not. I mean, it, right. Yeah. Our, no. And I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think you know. Not only you know when we look at the like, I've said this many times. Looking at where to, where to invest. I mean, I think the U.S. is the is still the best place. I mean, but for that, that's for a lot of other reasons, just in terms of not having as much of the cultural risk and the sovereign risk and all that. But in terms of the dollar, the dollar's um, strength has come with this sort of long-term expansionary period that we've had. And again, still being this, you know, the powerhouse. But yeah, that's challenged. It's challenged by right now by China. It's challenged by you know what's going on. I think Europe is coming back. So I do think that those those issues are going to um, weigh heavy on the dollar, and it's also um, you know this un- period of uncertainty that we're in right now with certainly slower growth. Um, my biggest thing is the U.S. is is the U.S. going to remain competitive? And when you hear about you know China putting plants in in Michigan, I get concerned, and it's also it also seems to be going against what we're trying to do and what we've been trying to do as a country. You know, sort of in a bipartisan effort, is to really make the the um, you know to to kind of become more independent economically and less dependent. It does not mean that we don't want to stay friendly with these countries or keep relationships, but it means from an economic point of view, and certainly from a dollar point of view, um, we're going to lose ground if we're not you know if we have um, foreign countries coming in and, and setting up businesses here. And uh, running those businesses, where it, it is not going to be—it's not helpful. It's going against what we're trying to do. So all those things could continue, continue—you know—continue to weigh on the dollar. If you've noticed, if you followed the dollar versus Bitcoin and gold and silver, but Bitcoin is is tracking more with the metals than it is with—you um, know—it's sort of it's trading in you know sort of opposite how the dollar does day to day. So. Well, it should. So, it although should. I'm not a Bitcoin fan, um, big time, I like the concept. You know, um, theoretically, I like the concept, but 
as Bitcoin gains more power, maybe gets recharged, again, the dollar becomes less, um, you know, well, I think that on, a, on, a, on a relative basis, uh, what you what you what you just said, first of all, is absolutely true, but it doesn't negate the issue that Bitcoin's worth nothing. There's nothing behind it. Yeah, no, and and I totally agree with you yeah. on that. I'm saying I'm not a I'm not a fan of it. I think though that there could be some fir- some future developments over time. I do too. That could give it a little more credibility. Well, I mean, here's the your your, your basic, and, and you just mentioned it by the way, because we're, we're we're taught, we're trained. It's almost like the big lie. We're taught, we're trained to say, well, what's wrong with the dollar? What do you mean? Don't, compared to Rouen, it's doing fine versus the uh, you know the last five years is actually doing fine against the euro. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, with the, the, when, when, when you say storehouse of aid, maybe, maybe if you don't, if you haven't had training, which I know you have, in, in currency theory, it has nothing to do with other currencies. It has to do, is the dollar in your pocket worth the loaf of bread it was four years ago? And the answer is no. Oh, absolutely you, not. You're, you're way better off having 15 loaves of bread in your pocket than you were $15. Because now the fifteen loaves of bread are worth sixty dollars, <laughs> and your yeah. and your dollar is still worth fifteen. I mean, why? When people see it in front of their eyes, I mean, we're talking about a population that's. I'm going to say we're pretty educated. We could be better, uh, certainly at the lower levels. But we're not getting into that discussion. But how is it that people that have a million bucks in the bank, or not even? I'll just pick that as a round number. Five years ago, don't realize it's now worth half a million. Yeah, they've, very, very, they've they've been essentially they've been essentially screwed. I mean, I mean the person in what is what, what do you call people in Russia anymore? You can't call them peasants, but some guy in Russia out in the out of the out in Siberia somewhere spent his whole life to try and get ten one hundred hour U.S. bills. That's that's the store of value over there, not Russian stuff, not the other crap those guys have. Right. And now all of a sudden, the guy's sitting there. What did I do that for? <laughs> I mean, the, the, it, it's not. It's, yeah. You know. No. I mean, no. Absolutely. I mean, the inflation issue is very real, and it's. It, and I agree with you that I don't think people kind of connect the dots and realize how what impact it has on on their money, whether it's sitting in savings or in investments uh, right now. And it's not a trend that's going to reverse itself. One of the concerns I have is that you hear, you keep hearing about the, the talk about the the Fed pivoting, and you keep hearing the talk about disinflation and you hear talk about oh yeah the you know the supply chain is is helping well I, I've been talking to CEOs all week and there's still a lot of issues in the supply chain that and there's still very long delivery times and waits and all that we still have a ways to to this is gonna take some time so not only what not only do I agree with what you're saying I, I see it being true for an extended period of time so that's going to, you know, it's going to impact uh, the dollar. It's in, it's going to impact um, investments. It's going to, but but individuals haven't connected the dots yet to to let to see. Oh yeah, well I'm paying more at the grocery store. Oh, but by the way, I'm paying more in utilities, and they're not going to see that it's also going to impact that money that they're saving for retirement or, um, you know. So so I think the way that money's invested is really important. Right now, and, and you know, we've talked about having an allocation to, for example, silver and gold as a, you know, as a core holding. You might dial up that position or dial it back based on how how uh, you know how things look. But I think having that, and and also we've been talking about T bills. Although 
again, I mean, you are getting paid more. It's not, you know, the dollar's not, it, it may be worth, you know, because of inflation, they may be worth more or less, but at least if you can get 520 um, or 510, you know, more than 5% on a three or four month T-bill, that, you know, keep a, keep a part of your portfolio invested there because that's money that is, um, it's basically risk-free and it's it's free money. So while we're dealing with this inflationary period, at least have a little bit of a cushion in those investments. By the way, Dan, we just got a, a new client yesterday, and you don't know it yet, but so did you. Uh, oh, good. Because some of the money's coming your way. Um, and we And we basically said we're going to, let's, it's an inheritance kind of thing, and a, a person seems real, real nice. And I said, well, "Why don't we? Why don't we put, you know, put a third of it in these T bills?" And there's, I don't see any rush here to you. I mean, you and I can find some good spots no. for stuff, but I don't. I mean, if somebody drops me twenty million today, I'm not going to say I got to do something with it by three o'clock. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't feel that way. I don't think no, no that's 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 terrific. I, I I totally agree. There's not there's not necessarily a rush because I do think uh, rates are going to remain high. I mean, especially on the short end. If anything, you know, next week we have another um, Fed meeting. Maybe we'll we'll see. Not maybe. Well, I think we'll probably see another hike, another 25 basis points. No one's talking about that right now. But I but we're still going to continue to trend a little higher in here. Um, so yield is still king. You what know, you, yield is king. And, what do you make of? And, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but because the reason why I'm interrupting is because I don't want to forget the question. Uh, what do you make of the market all of a sudden getting? You and I thought we'd kind of dispense with this two years ago, getting increasingly narrow. Your transportation average, one day after another, is saying market's slowing down, and yet all of a sudden the Metas, the Microsofts, they're going to they're going to save us all again. I mean, I I find it very unnerving. What What do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, and and, and I kind of wonder. Um, where the attention is coming, especially from Meta. I get it when it comes to Amazon. I understand that, although Amazon is even slowing down and is, you know, just thinking about people purchasing less, the trend is going to, is probably going to go more in that direction for, um, you know, as people are, as the households are realizing that they have to cut back. I mean, they're not going to cut back on food. Um, they can maybe change their their eating habits, but they're still going to have food as the you know food, shelter, and clothing. So maybe they're not going to buy those extra items, and so maybe there's less activity. But yeah, with when it comes to Meta, when it comes to really any of the social media, um, I don't you know I have a, a personal bias against it, um, so that makes it hard for me to invest. And also um, you know the talk about Zuckerberg and. I don't know that you know his history is is not necessarily great in terms of you know the, the way the company has developed and, and taken on this, these new strategic visions and sort of trying to stay ahead of it. You know there are people you know there are people who are um, you know use this as their means of communication and and you know I um, I think unfortunately I think our society has gotten away from the. You know the easier ways of communicating, either by phone or in person, or or you know maybe by email if you want to send a message. But um, yeah, I I don't. It, it does scare me a little. What also scares me, Tom, is that that sort of men, that that um, perception that you're missing out by not you know the stock is sold back, you know sold off, so you're missing out. So you need to participate. It's cheaper here than it was, you know, last year. So. So that mentality concerns me because it doesn't necessarily mean that the value is there, and and just because they beat earn, beat on earnings um, last night doesn't necessarily mean that they're 
you know, they're going to continue to have strong growth. Well, so there, there's, I mean, there's, there was a, a dude on CNBC the other day, and right when I say that, I should remember the guy's name, but I didn't. Uh, and he was talking about he had Microsoft, he had all these things up there. And, I, yes. and every one of them, he had, he had them, you know, 17, PE, 18, 19, they're all to like yeah. 21, 22. And he's like, you know, they, whenever Microsoft gets a 22, it's not a buy. I mean, you know, you, know, you can say they're going to do a lot more with this art- artificial intelligence, you know, the pot at the end of the rainbow. But, uh, you know, I, it does get to a point where, I mean, I, you know, same thing with, with Amazon and, and with Apple. I mean, uh, they're up to what, 21, 22, something like that. I, I, I'm, I'm vaguely recall. I mean, I wouldn't take book on whether it was 21 or 22, but they're all reaching like sort of the top end of, of those ranges, you know, and, yes. and uh, which, you know, you, you can't trade like that. You can't, you can't look and say, gee, Apple's got a 22 PE. It's, it's pretty high. I'm going to buy puts on Apple today. And by, by noon, everybody's going to see the same thing I saw and I'll make money on my puts. I mean, that's not the way that works. It, it may never happen or it might take six months. It, it'd be easy if that's the way it worked, right? Yeah. <laughs> Right, but that but but it's investor perception right now that's been yeah. the um, that's been the hard part for me to understand because it, it is is really different. I mean, we did talk about a a, a stock, a small cap stock, um, purchase in electronics, and and I talked to the CEO and the senior management yesterday, and I'm actually going to see them when I come out to Chicago. And there, you know, there's an example of a stock price that just got hit with some of the best most bullish um, ratings from analysts on Wall Street and, and talking to this, you know, the, the CEO and asking what their perceptions are. This was overdone, absolutely overdone in, in uh, my opinion, but in his opinion, and not because he's running the company, but because he can say for sure that there's definitely a lot of upside potential. The, the, any news that came out you know, is, is, is very much on, on the margin. But the perception, and some of it is driven by, by algos and by quant models and, and, and less and less by human judgment, you know, and, and like you're saying, people are, re- you know, something reaches a certain point, um, like with the, with the uh, tech names, and that's a, a signal to buy or a signal to sell. Well, it doesn't always work like that. I, what we do that I think where we have the value is really getting to know the company and, and getting to know really where the upside is. And if it's a, you know, a growth stock, um, hanging in there during the periods where there might be some investor skepticism. Um, and maybe buying more when it's when they sell. Yeah, and how, so how, uh, just as a just a broad question, but as I'm asking you, I think you're closer to the answer than me. The, we, Lou and I just talked about some some place in Louisiana that made, uh, you know, whatever some kind of munitions, and guess what? It blew up. <laughs> Duh! Uh, <Yeah. laughs> imagine how that uh, how that could happen. But they're the only place that makes it now. The places that you're talking about, these are we're not we're not talking about Amazon. We're not talking about guys that can. Go to the capital markets, blow blow crap by people, and then get a two percent loan for forty years, like they did a couple of years ago. I mean, how hard is it for the size groups you're talking about? Because when you when you tell their story, it's it's always a good story. I mean, because obviously you find the good places and you work hard to do it. Uh, how how hard would it be for those guys to say, here's a here's a closely re- related line of business. Man, if we uh, just had a little more capital, there's a piece of property right over there. And by the way, there's a an abandoned factory sitting right there that we could fix up. But we're not starting from ground zero. How now? You know, especially if you're talking about a bleep hole like Chicago, where every alderman's not, you know want their piece, and you know you can't get a. Per- How hard is it com- compared to somebody coming in with some big thing where a senator can stand out there and give you every tax per- rebate on earth and give you all this money and all this crap? How hard is it for firms that size to actually uh, 
move like you and I know we have to move here? I think it's pretty yeah, hard. Yeah, it, it, it's a good question. The, the, the struggles that, they're, that some of the smaller firms are facing are, um, you know, they're facing more issues with supply chain. They're facing some more issues, but you know, but less and less with with labor getting top tier talent because the top tier talent is going to other companies, you know, the larger companies. So they do have some cost issues that make it difficult. And yes, in terms of you know tapping the the credit markets or the you know for for additional capital um, to make the the acquisition, rates are higher. So that in itself, um, and credit is tighter. So those are two reasons there that I think there, um, you know, there's concerns on on that side. In the case of Richardson, they already have the property. They're actually their operation in LaFox. They're actually um, working on expanding the space, taking some of the office space because some people are working remotely, and converting it into more um, warehouse space and manufacturing space. So they're they're um, they're doing all the right things. They already have the property. So anytime I think any of these smaller companies that own the assets or have the assets that they can use and they still have the capacity, they're in good shape. So that, again, is where your homework matters. But your point is well taken in terms of, you know, do some of these smaller companies have the capacity to tap the markets to get more capital? And if credit's becoming tighter, I think big picture what that leads, you know, what that says is we are going to continue to see slower growth. Um, I still don't believe it's going to be a recession, but I do think in general we're seeing slower growth. And you want to be in the parts of the market that can weather this slow growth period. So in the case of Richardson, a lot of what they're doing um, is, you know, the lithium batteries for locomotives. That's where they have their their um, their market share and their in their patents and all of that. And they're. Um, those, that's going to continue to happen. Anything to do with infrastructure, I think right now is still a good um, opportunity because the capital that was put in, that was funded by the government, whether it be the highway bill or the infrastructure you know, bill or the IRA or any of these, that still has not been deployed. So even if we have a slowdown, there's still capital out there that's going to support, whether it be clean energy or infrastructure or so again, looking at what you're buying, um, looking at whether these companies can weather the downturn, and having been a high yield manager, we're always looking at worst case scenario on the bond side. You know, we're looking at, you know, would this company default? And if the answer is no, then why not get eight and a half percent on a one-year bond? Um, I'm just gonna. One thing I just want to touch on is is um, a couple of names. Um, one company that a lot of people know, uh, Boston Partners. They reported, and I was on their earnings call yesterday. They, they do, um, you know, it's a commercial real estate business. However, and we like their bonds. Their their short term bonds um, are three and eights that mature in September of twenty three. That are right now are getting you about seven percent. Well, yes, the big picture is that commercial real estate is under pressure. However, this company, Boston Partners owns the premier properties so whether they be in the Boston area like in the seaport which is which is still booming or on Park Avenue in New York or the Embarcadero in San Francisco they're in the they're in the properties that are going to continue to have where they're going to continue to be able to um, charge you know top dollar and they're going to their capacity they're going to continue to remain full so even though office space as a, as a category is under pressure look at those names you know we, we look at those names that have 
opportunities to survive in this environment. And I, I know Boston Partners is one of them. In fact, their stock price was up a couple percent, almost two percent, I think, yesterday after this call. So it's doing the homework on these names that really, I think, sets us apart. And um, being able to distinguish rather than just buying the market. So I had a client that was telling me recently, well, if you had just bought the, you know, the SPY or you know the index for the S&P 500 10 or 12 years ago, here's how much you'd be up. And I said, yeah, and that was good until a couple of years ago. And now, like being able to yeah. distinguish and and trade, and actually, um, some other clients have ma made the point or, or asked the question about buying puts, like a strategy like yours. And I said, what you guys are doing right now, perfect timing. I think we're both in the right economic environment, the right market environment for our strategies. I think our strategies are are like perfectly <laughs> aligned um, in this environment. And it's, it's uh, you know, it's it, this is a good time for, for both of our strategies. Yeah, and and buy, with the, the slow, growth, slow growth period that we're entering, at least keep a good part of your assets in in you know both of our strategies because we're we're gonna we're gonna retain that hard-earned capital so you, you don't want to lose money in this environment and also be dealing with inflation you at least want to hold on to what you have well that, that's absolutely the truth and the i think we both would say somewhat facetiously but actually very true that the buy and hold strategy depends entirely on when you bought and when you held too absolutely and that's what we're experts at right that's that's what we get paid for that's what we do every single day. So we're not going to miss, uh, you know, we're not going to miss time something. Um, you know, we're not going to always get it 100 percent, but because right. we have experience doing this over the years, it really, you know, it, it really well, makes plus a difference. The, the, the VIX is down, so the, the the cost of protection, the put price is down. Which right, is helping exactly. somewhat. But you know, it's funny, Dad. Back back in when we were when we were younger and people, you know, the buy and hold, they always talk about the market averages seven percent a year, right? Well, it's total BS, but. Um, all those things started the day after the 29 crash. <laughs> if, they were, if they were started the day before, the number would have been different, I think. It just, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but you talk about, uh, you, you're saying, in, you know, the 2000, if you bought in 2008, yeah, you're, you, you know, the, the world is your oyster. But we started the Protect Index program in 1997. In 2007, the market was unchanged. Right. So no, nobody's going to count that ten years in the. Yeah, of course. It, you know, you know, <laughs> you know it's so. I mean, and, and even even the last couple of years. I mean, we've had we last year. I mean, now, now we're going to say, well, the buy and hold strategy should start January first of this year. But wait a minute, wait a minute. If you start in November, it's a different number, right? You know, you know, and, and that's a really good point. I think that, and and I, and I think we, you know, the listeners and and any clients need to hear that the time period that you choose. When you're looking to say evaluate a manager and how well their performance has been, the time period can vary tremendously, and we're talking even, you know, by a month or a week. Um, if you look at the numbers, but you add <coughs> even <coughs> let's say <coughs> the other date numbers, right? But then if you were to go just for first quarter, your perform it can really change your performance, and and you know if you're looking oh, sure. at it on a relative basis. So, so I think it's very important that that people realize exactly what you're saying. That look, the period of time that you're looking at can vary significantly um, when you're looking at performance. So be very careful and try to look at multiple periods um, and well, not, not just one. It's not always. Period. We got to dash it pretty soon, Dimmer. It's not. 
it used to be when we started the Protect Index program, there was only one index, the S&P. Yes. Right? So, so it was real easy to compare our stuff to, quote, the market. And then the QQQ came up, and we, and we had some people in one or the other. This is back in you know, the 2000s. Uh, so my brother would, would track both of them. Well, now, this year, everybody says everything's up. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We have, right. we have all kinds of people in the Russell and the Spider and in the, and in the Qs. Well, if you if you judge me against the the cues, you know this year. I mean, the 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 cues have taken off like a rocket ship. Absolutely, the spider <clears throat> is up a little bit, and I don't even think that I don't. I think the Russell's unchanged or down. So, so if, you, if you had a client and it says, "I love the small stacks," and he's heavily weighted in the Russell versus the cues, he's having a totally different year than the guy who's in the cues. And these are indexes that they're supposed to sort of move together. They're not even moving together, much less stacks. Yeah, no, I, that, that's an excellent point. And, and just and ask the, what I would ask, the question I would ask is: So where were the cues last year? Yeah, well, it's <laughs> you know, how did we do last year? I mean, memory can be very short term sometimes when people are looking at investments, but you have to be able to point out, you have to be able to remember that just last year, you know, this is why we, you know, we have a strategy that's more protective that we're, you know, preserving capital and, and providing income and and uh, yeah, exactly. Well, Dan, I got to let years, you go. I want one yeah. one serious question. Though. I just happen to have uh, our group, which you are a part of, uh, pretty serious amount of cash to put to work in the next couple of weeks. Out of those three indexes, which one do you like? Or <laughs> well, you know, on our side, we look at the um, the the bond index as well. So it would be Barclays um, aggregate bond index, okay. uh, U.S. or global. So th- those are the ones. Out of the three, um, I still think S and P probably because that's what we grew up with. Yeah. Well, I, I I don't like the idea that the small caps are going a totally opposite direction in six big stocks. That that usually does not bode well for the market. I hope that's not that's not true this time. But you and I have been around enough to know, uh, you know, you can't have your transportation average your small stocks going the crap all and the other stuff going to carry the day forever. It just, very true. But, but maybe this time the other stuff will turn around. You know, it's all different. Dan, thank yeah. you very much, buddy. Talk to you. Uh, talk to you. And we'll see you soon. Is on top of that. Yes. SP Futures up 22, NASDAQ Futures up 127. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks don't rely on luck get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. 
I'm sure you are aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we have always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board of SP Futures. Well, before I do that, the first quarter GDP just came in at a 1.1 pace versus the 2 percent uh, expected. I'm going to have to see what the deflator is, but God, that sucks. 1.1% uh, pace is not good. Uh, so anywho, that's, uh, we'll see what the deflator is. I'll get, try and get that in a minute. Um, you know, the market's hanging in there. SP up 18, NASDAQ is up 109. Dow futures are up 172 over in Europe. I'm going to say that, that to come in like half like that. Matter of fact, the Atlanta Fed was higher than... I think they were close to two. I'm surprised they were wrong too. Uh, well, we'll have to see what the deflator is. I hope everybody understands that they look at the gross number, then you then you subtract out the inflation from there, and that's what you get is your net number. The DAX up 28.2 percent, FTSE down four. Call that flat. Kick around up 32.4 percent. So slightly bullish over in Europe, but still very slow. Nikkei up 41. That's slow. 0.1 percent. Hang Seng up 83.4. Shanghai up 21.7 percent. So moderately up over in Asia. Uh, yesterday, we, we uh, did a well. We we're a mixed bag. Dow was down 228, S&P's down 15, Nasdaq was up 55 because of the Microsoft uh, numbers. Um, oh, was it Microsoft? Yeah, it was Microsoft. Microsoft's been up this week. Uh, we had you know these individual stocks that are popping day after day. Uh, bonds, uh, five basis points now, 3.48. Uh, Bund is 0 0.03 up to 2.42. Japan at 0.46. Oil. Uh, up 24 cents, but under 75, 74.54. Rent up 27 cents, 77.96. Natural gas down a penny, 2.29. We've got gold, it was up earlier, still up 10, 10.70, 2006, back up over 2,000. Silver up 16 cents, 25.14. Copper down 2 cents, 3.83. We've got Bitcoin up 241 to 28,741. U.S. dollar with this news is down, is down again. I mean, up up a little bit. Sorry, the uh, but still the euro is 110. And a pound 124 and a half, so just flipping around here, but at a lower level than a few weeks ago. Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? All right, it is a 738 here in Chicago on April 27th. Starting off with some sports and baseball, the 
White Sox were sweeped last night by the Blue Jays, ending their game 8-0. Over in Arizona, the Diamondbacks won with the Royals 2-0. And over back here in Chicago, the Cubs lost to the Padres, ending their game 5-3. Over to Chicago weather, it is currently 41 degrees. Going to get a high of about 64 around 5 p.m. today. And over in Phoenix, they're at 65 degrees, and they're going to have a high of about 94 around 3 to 6 p.m. Now, finally, over to Chicago traffic, uh, only one major accident to report. It's out in the Eisenhower, on the uh, outbound Eisenhower. It's near, let's see, it is near uh, Des Plaines Avenue. Um, and that's building some delays, but otherwise, it's just a whole bunch in the red. It seems like no matter where you're going, whether it's inbound or outbound on the expressways, everything is pretty heavy locked up today, but not because of any accidents. Just I'd, I'd turn cars. back if I were you. Yeah, it's just not a good well, day. We were going home last night after the after the that uh, party at like seven thirty, and the Kennedy was totally. I must have been an accident. Somebody had to get off of Ohio Street. Couldn't even move. Yeah, it's it's bad right it's now. It's pretty bad. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? We do. Good morning, Tom. And uh, good morning. Good. So, were you you shocked by this uh, GDP number? I sort of am. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I wasn't expecting that, but it's I'm shocked, but not surprised, Tom. <laughs> well, we have to wait and see what the what the PC what the deflator is. Uh, maybe they actually kicked the deflator up a little bit, but still, I don't think they ki- kicked up a full one percent. Um, you know, we'll see. I don't know. It's a. I think there's there's no question that if you look at what the transportation average is doing and just some of the the verbiage out of UPS and some of these railroads and stuff, I mean, the, some of the stuff is uh, certainly not growing. Uh, maybe even slowing down. So I don't know what. Uh, I don't see how you can. I mean, you can't deny it. You just, you just hope it kind of goes the. Uh, the other way, right? I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I I really think there's there's stuff happening that we don't we, we wouldn't predict that we don't understand. It's kind of counterintuitive, even. Um, and I think it all flows from the lockdowns. Ultimately, I mean, I can trace a lot of this uncertainty and lack of momentum, uh, or building momentum to the lockdowns. But um, how far this will go, or how long it will go. Uh, Maybe too early to tell, but it, but it's it's, a, it's concerning to me. Well, I think you know, the uh, the big ticket items, the, the inflation has has buried some people. They've managed to hang in there by ramping up on the credit cards, but at some point, every family goes, "We can't do any more of this." I mean, it's we just can't uh, hang in here, and it's and it's and it's somewhat relentless, and, the, and it's in places and like utilities and things like that. That doesn't matter what the Fed does; they're not going back down. You know, I mean, they only go one way. It's, it's, it's pretty weird stuff, uh, Jen. And uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, when I see, it's funny. We had Dan on, and he talked about he doesn't really see a recession, in the classical sense. You know, he may be right, but now we enter a world where everybody gets to decide what's right and wrong. Right? Everybody's a moral relativist. You know, by the way, everybody gets to decide what a recession is. Well, if you decide one way and say, okay. Here's Mr. Flanagan. Is he in a recession, or is he better off than he was last year, or not? Let's add up, you know, 300 million Mr. Flanagans. Oh God, that'd be scary. Uh, how are they all doing? <laughs> well, if if 300 million of them are worse than last year, I don't care what the top five percent are spending on, you know, private aircraft. Fact is, for all intents and purposes, from my mind, we're in a recession. And when I see stuff like the uh, the latest contract, and again, I didn't read the whole thing. I, there might be a cost of living in there, but I don't. I haven't heard of one in a long time. The the, the is it the whoever was on strike at Eastern Illinois, 
don't know if it's the, I don't know if it's the endowed I doubt if it's the endowed guys if they have anybody down there. But anyway, it was a, essentially a teacher and administrative strike of some kind, right, John? Right. And they've had they've been on the picket line and has been they've been trying to mediate. They've been trying to arbitrate. They've done all this kind of crap. And they, yeah, well, they finally settled, and I think it's four years for a total raise of fifteen percent. Yep. Jesus, John. Bad deal. You're clearly not going to catch up. So I'm going to say that over it, however long the, the previous contract was, say it was four years, well, by the time, let's say that that had a, say it had the same amount, okay, that it was a 15% raise over over uh, four years, over, so we're talking... Thirty percent over eight to ten years. I, I bet the last one didn't have that much. So say twenty five percent. I don't see how over the eight year span that a twenty five percent raise total keeps you even. I don't see that happening at all. Especially when you're no. now now in a new tax bracket, probably. There's an emotional problem I think that, that makes this worse. When people look at their salary negotiations as a group and they have this number carved in their forehead of what they're getting on the salary schedule they don't see that as a fluid thing they see it as something that they've you know had except for maybe a step increase you know for the last couple of years and they they don't see that it's all actually eroding all the time it's vanishing before their sight and it's enough to hang on to what you have as this number it's, it's kind of made people invested in their salaries in a way that it enables them to really get taken to the cleaners if they really looked at what their buying power had descended to, you know, they'd be asking for thirty percent raise. But of well, course, you know that would be laughed well, off out of the room. But this this is how how people's attitudes are shaped by by numbers. And of course, then you start fighting about the definition of recession. And if you can get enough people to disagree on whether we're in a recession or not, then nobody's in a recession. So they can talk about something else, which is hardly productive. Well, Jan, you and I. This is part of the strategy too. You and I could argue, um, you know, maybe over a beer some night if I ever saw you. Uh, you and I could argue about GDP versus inflation versus salaries this year, and we can we can fight about it. We can wing empty beer cups at each other. You might be absolutely convinced that that the you know the inflation has been three percent, and by the way, the average salary was three and a half, so people are actually ahead or whatever. And uh, and I might think the other way, and we could we could fight about those numbers. And you know what? It it almost doesn't matter, John, if they're close enough. I mean, it really does. Just because I have something to argue about, which we like to do. Uh, but there's if you look at over a period of time, I and mean, if if the government basically bull bleeps you this year for one and a half, two percent, you know what? It's it's not enough to put on a sandwich sign if they even make those things anymore, and walk up and down the street. It's not enough for me to leave my job or to, or to show to all of a sudden become a community activist and ran up and down on, on, on TV it's not worth it but if you extend that out 20-25 years it's a major change in what people can do with their life and that, that's that's the part that I, I I don't know people just don't look at it Chan maybe I'm the only one dumb enough to waste some time looking at it You when you look at this over a long period of time you and I, you would have no chance in that argument versus me if you were, if you were on the side that says no things are okay, because I mean I went back to uh, where the hell did I go one day it was snowing to beat the band where I couldn't even go for a walk it was so deep, I think I spent two three hours on the computer and I was on the computer it's got to be right right, uh, uh, 
I think I went back to 1980 or something, or 1979. Those were years that I emailed a couple of my buddies from Pullman. And I think if, at that time, I was making, well, I was 78. I think I was making 21 grand at Pullman or something. You know, people on the line could have done, a little overtime could almost have done as well as me. Maybe they were 19, 20. Okay, so let's say, now that was, that, if you looked at the CPI, I'm not going to look at it, but I'm going to say it's probably, and we'll look at it since we got, I can, do a, I can talk and look at the same time. I'll look at a CPI calculator here. But I'm going to say with my 21 grand or whatever the hell I was making close to that, I could have bought a nice new car, not a Cadillac, for four grand, an Oldsmobile or something, right? Something decent. Now, granted, it's not as nice a car today. I, I get that. But still, it would last me for five years. It got me where I wanted to go, right? So, uh, and, and Notre Dame education at that time, we were, we'd have been out a few years. I'm going to say it was 4500 and I'm going to say a new house, a median house was 45, right? So my salary was was four times the Notre Dame education, five times a car, and about little less than half of a house. Okay, so now if we put that, let's say what where am I here? Let's we'll say 20 grand in in uh, in January of uh, where are we? 1979. We'll go back that far, and uh, all right. Calculate the March of 2023. That would be worth 88 grand today, according to the inflation calculators. So my, if I'm making 88 grand today, according to these bumps that do this correctly, and I kept pace with their idea of inflation. All right, now where are we here now? The the price of a new car is what? The median price of a new car is 40 something. All right, so now it's it's half my salary more than half my salary for a median new car instead of one-fifth, correct? Uh, right. A new house is now, median is, is 404 or whatever it was last week. So now I'm talking 4.5 times my salary instead of twice my salary, right? Or two and a half times my salary. And Notre Dame education is damn near my whole salary instead of one-fifth. So regardless of what you may, you, you know, you, not you personally, but you can argue on TV and wherever you want to go, there is no doubt <laughs> that your buying power as a regular schmuck has dropped dramatically in the last 45 years. It's not even close. And I'm not even going to what a hospital bed costs. I don't even want to go there to where a hospital room costs. Now, granted, the hospital rooms are better, medicine's better. You'd much rather be sick now than you were in 1979. But still, I think at, at, uh, a night at Northwestern now is probably twelve grand, and back then it was probably what three hundred bucks. So I mean, yeah. we're, not, we're not even on the same planet. So for anybody to even talk that these numbers are legit, John, they're, they're, how do they how do they even make the argument? True enough, Tom. That there's no way to even address it um, if you're seeing it, you know, in full blown glory all around you. I guess you know when you get to be our age when you see this kind of pattern growing absurdly and really absurdly in the last 20 years or so, there's an exhaustion factor where you know there's nothing much you can do about it and you're trying to hold together whatever kind of retirement package you have and you hope it's enough but you can't be sure. If you're, if you're younger, you know, if you're 20, 40 years younger um, and you haven't had this kind of exposure I don't know what you would make of this unless you, you are just kind of completely detached from it because the enormity 
of how you've come down in the world isn't really something you want to think about. It's really hard to make it register. And of course, if people really did understand this, we'd have a lot more anger and a lot more you know, political involvement than we do. But people have been, it seems to me, that people are, are unaware of this. This is well, what's they're not, they're not, for me. They're not, I mean, our, the political activism of our generation was pretty much formed by Vietnam. Now, whether yeah, anybody anybody it was read not it. you know class culture or you know the wage you know, you know inequalities or things like that. We 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 took some hard knocks coming up through the ranks, but it, we suspected it wasn't that much different from what previous generations had to face too. Well, except the only difference well, I mean, the only thing I'm 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 sure I'm shortened here a lot. I was there for a term last night. All my guys from the trading floor. I'm, what I'm shortened here is the quality difference is dramatic. So I'm going to say what I just said. Even if you shaved a half of it off, that the new house now is a hell of a lot nicer than the new house was then, and the new car is nicer. And by the way, you're going to get a lot more care, I think, in a hospital uh, bed tonight than you would have 40 years ago. But still, how many young people? You go through college, you get this this debt. Uh, we have, I have people living in my building, and uh, they 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 work they work their fanny off. They both they both work. They're married, got good jobs, and they they are convinced. That uh, with their student loan debt, they will never own a home. They will never probably own a new car. And by the way, God help them if they have kids and they want to put them through college at seventy grand a year. But what? How have we managed to, you know, even even go that part where our young people now just know they're priced out of it. They just know they're priced out of it, and, and with no hope of coming up. I mean, I guess they could both work on weekends or something and do something else. But that we're talking about two people. In our, in our day, the you know the guy sometimes the lady, but the guy usually worked and the lady didn't. Now we're talking about two incomes can't get you there. That's a and we and we just we're like in the movie. Thank you, sir. May I have another and bend over? Yeah, well, they don't see that they've been robbed. This is, I guess, it's not that they're not aware of how you know completely shut out they are because clearly they are, but they've they've accepted it. They kind of understand it as being their lot in life now. Well, why do Why do and, we accept it? I mean, I, well, I, we didn't. I, I guess we didn't. <laughs> but but we're getting older now and losing our voice and our credibility every day. Practically, it seems um, you're not supposed to notice this. If if this were a different kind of culture, you would have spokespeople who would be, you know, rallying people all over the place. About how you've been, you know, defrauded, like the, you know, veterans after World War One and the Bonus Army and all, all this stuff. Where they were cheated out of their, you know, the rewards they were promised after the war, and then when they needed them, there was no money around for them. Um, and it was a, a, a violent collision between the, the military and, and these people who were kind of schnookered. Really. Yeah, we got we got a, a um, few minutes. Um, explain exactly what happened there, <clears throat> and I'll explain uh, something that people hear all the time. Not all the time, but once in a while you hear about the Fed moves during a depression. And we got five minutes here. This is an interesting story because I think a lot of people uh, don't know it. Uh, but the also I'll start out with the issue. Did it start, China, when you went to war in those days? They didn't. They, you didn't get paid until you until it was over, right? Or you didn't get paid. Well, I think you got a, a, a. I think you always got kind of an allotment. You know, to support family members back home. And that, of course, that continued in World War II, but I don't think it was considered anything like a salary or 
But so you, but to, to, at the end of the war, they essentially owed you dough. Right, right, and they they promised you know payment by 1945 of this bonus, which was a rec- recruiting technique. Yeah, but this is we're talking World War One. Yeah. Well, 1945 I mean, is a long know, way from World War One. People were, you know, there was a you know a draft, and you know, and you know they needed a draft because they couldn't get enlistment numbers up fast enough. So they, they if you were born in 1877 and after, you were, you know, you had to register for the draft. There was a separate draft roster for people born, I think, after 1895 right. or something. Very unlikely they called it to people who were older, but you still had to register, as you did in World War II as well. But they were promised this bonus um, to be paid in 1945, and if you were still alive... If, if you were still alive, yeah. It was, how weird is that? Right. It, right. And in 1931 and 32, when the banks are closing and, and unemployment skyrockets and people are totally you know, deprived of, of any kind of you know, income, um, they, they wanted the payment to the payment of the bonus to take place then. They we want our dough. We want our yeah. dough. Right? Yeah. So they you know, they amassed and went to Washington and camped out, um, you know, down along the Potomac. And um, this is the you know, spring of 1932. And, you know, Hoover was still president. You know, this was not looking good in the papers. Hoover was already in trouble in the polls because the country was going to hell in a hand. And there were, there were thousands of people there. It was a huge yeah. tent city, right? Yeah, it was like they were like, and you know, the, the Hoovervilles that were springing up all over the country. This was a a major Hooverville. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Of people who who they were all, you know, they were in the nation's capital. They were, you know, veterans with their families there who had, you know, kind of staked everything to get there, and you know, were parked in these tent camps, and you know, Hoover wanted them gone, and Douglas MacArthur and Dwight Eisenhower, who hadn't yet risen to their later stature. Were tasked with getting rid of. Them. I think MacArthur was already. Took, I think MacArthur was already generally army. If he wasn't, he was number two. Was it? Oh yeah, he was, he was higher place than, than Eisenhower. Eisenhower was his aide. Yeah, Eisenhower was young. He was. You're right. Yeah, he was a. Uh, yeah. He he was right after Blackjack Pershing as general of the army, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, Eisenhower was just his young aide. He just went along with the with the flow. Right. But they but they burned him out. Yeah, they burned him out. And uh, these are veterans. They tossed them all out. Sent them home. Well, there was no home, but they sent them home. Well, well, I mean, it, it pretty much, I think, clinched for a lot of people the outcome of the 1932 election uh, because this was the last gasp these people had, and they could see exactly what their government thought of them. But you know what's interesting, Jen, is later on, and, and this is the economic piece of it, you'll, you'll hear that the Fed, in 1936, we actually somewhat came out of this recession, okay? And it was, was looking pretty good, Then they said the Fed raised the reserve requirements in 37 and put us back in. Right. But what happened in '36 was, what John's talking about, is Congress actually passed a bill after all this time of people being in a depression. They said, "Okay, we're going we're going to give these guys their dough early," you know, which amounted to probably you know whatever five six hundred a guy, maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the. Yeah, we're not here. talking a huge. You know, well, that was, that was a lot of money in 1936. Right. But, so right. the interesting part is is Roosevelt, after seeing what happened to Hoover and all the other stuff. He vetoed it, which I never could understand. I mean, I'm kind of a fan of Roosevelt. He vetoed it, and and the Congress overrode the veto, much to Roosevelt's dismay. So they sent essentially all these checks out in 1936, and that's what kicked the economy up in 1936. And also the same year, I don't know if you remember this. Well, not remember you weren't around, but remember reading this. The same year, for whatever reason, the federal government said you can no longer 
they use they use the term hoard gold. Right. Other well, than like from well, it's the standard thirty three, yeah. yeah. But 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 all, this, all the gold coins, everything. But the nineteen thirty six was the year where they actually went and, and bought them from you. Yeah. So, so they made you if you did it, you pull the gold coins out of the you know the, the kitchen jar under the mattress, and you sold them back to the government. So nineteen thirty six had this double cash infusion of all these guys getting paid something, and you you know they spent that money the minute they got it because nobody had any food or anything. Uh, not to mention roofs and you name it, everything else, and the money that they went out and paid for people for gold. So there actually was a pretty serious investment of government cash, read COVID, into the system in 1936. So it looked like things were picking up, but as soon as the money was gone, we're right back down again, right? And which, right. of course, 30, blamed on the Fed. was really bad. Yeah, we're right, right back down again. So, I mean, they, yeah. they blame it all on the Fed, but really it was these couple of programs where, where the government basically threw money at the system and then pulled it back. Right, and it just, but I mean, all, that's why when you see them doing this stuff, and it's not like we didn't do this before. I mean, it's one thing, you know, John, I'm all for making a mistake. You make mistakes trading all the time. You look at the, the right, what looks like a good trade, you put the position in, and if it doesn't work, you try and figure your way out of it as best you can. That, that, that's different from making the same stupid trade eight times yeah. in a row. I mean, <laughs> There's no distinction now between honest and dishonest mistakes. No. There's still mistakes. And if you if you do it again knowing full well what's going to happen, that's pretty dishonest. Well, I mean, yeah, if you, okay, we're going to, well, whatever. We'll, we'll talk about it maybe more. Maybe I'll even see you one of these days. You never know. SP Future's up 24. We're, we've, come, we've come back even higher than we were before the disappointing uh, GDP numbers. Nobody cares about GDP. As that Future's up 138, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.